you know, it's, uh, I, I get the honor of knowing what the songs are in advance, and I knew that we were singing this song, and I was reminded of just, I, I'd heard a preacher saying once, and he was quoting about Genesis, how at the beginning, on day one, God spoke, on day two, God spoke, day three, God spoke, day four, God spoke, day five, God spoke, but on day six, God got down, and he formed you and I from the dust. And then the Bible says that he breathed his life into man. And I, I was thinking about it and I just thought, how humbling is it that if you're an animal person and you love animals, animals are fantastic, but in all of God's creation, animals don't have the breath of God in their lungs. You might like gardens and plants. Guess what? They're amazing. They're wonderful. He gives life, but they don't have the breath of God in their lungs. But you and I have the breath of God in our lungs. He literally breathed. So I don't know how you feel about yourself. I don't know how you feel about others, but you have the breath of God in your lungs. Out of everything that God made, all of the stars, all of the mountains, all of the valleys, all of the animals, you are special. Like God, you're the apple of his eye. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I think that it's his breath in my lungs. That even those who don't know it, if you might not accept it, still it's his breath in your lungs. Why? Because he made you unique and he made you special. And so for me, with this song, all I have within me is a response is I have to give him a praise. I'm going to use my breath, that's his breath really, to praise him. Why? Because I'm just giving back to him that which he gave me in the first place. And so if you hear nothing else this morning, I just want you to know that you're special, that you're loved, that God has got a plan for you, whether you're watching online or whether you're in here. Even on your worst day, you still have the breath of God in your lungs. And as long as you're still breathing, He has a plan for you, He has a hope for you. And so just be encouraged in our response. I invite you, anytime you get the chance, use this breath that we've been given to praise Him and to give Him the glory and to give Him the honor because you are special. Father God, I thank you. God, I thank you that it's your breath in my lungs. Father God, I thank you that you've given us life, hope, you've restored God. And I just pray above all that you just never take your breath away from us because without it, we are just dust. But Father God, we thank you that you promised that you never would. And Father God, I thank you that you're still breathing life in people today. Father God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can take a seat. I just want to say thanks, Kerry, for encouraging me before I got up. That was very kind words. And believe me, Heather and I are just as blessed to be here as you are, hopefully, with us being part of this church. We love this church. It's a great honor to speak at other places, but there's no place like home. Dorothy got it right from the Wizard of Oz, for sure. But as you know, if you've been about church this year, our theme verse, but it's not just a theme for this year. We really believe it's a prophetic verse for our church in this season. We find ourselves as Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3. And it says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. We really believe that stretching and strengthening is a real theme for us prophetically. We believe that God wants us to grow and expand for his glory. It's not about us, it's all about him. And really, over the past few weeks, we've looked at really the stretching and strengthening of Jesus and the lessons we could learn from his life and how he was strengthened and stretched. And if he had to be strengthened and stretched, then so do we. But I really want to read some verses now just as a short Bible reading today from Matthew 28 and it's just the it's the last thing that Jesus said effectively to his disciples before he went to be with God before his return and it's in Matthew 28 16 
Amen. Matthew 20, 16 to 20. It's a simple reading. There's three simple principles that I got from it. But it says this, and it should come up on the screen. Thanks, Kira, you're doing a great job. But it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. It's very kind to leave Thomas out of this. Like, he didn't name him this time. But it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. To just give a little bit of context, at this point Jesus has died, resurrected, revealed himself to the disciples. He's kind of walked about amongst them, I think it was for about 40 days or so, and now it's time for him to go back to heaven, and he's gathered them in this place called Galilee. Pretty much if you're watching the movie Risen with us last Sunday morning, this is pretty much where the Bible picks up. The end of that movie picks up at this. The end of this movie is where this is recorded. That's what I was trying to say. That wasn't very easy for me. But Jesus, and I figured if this was the last message Jesus had before he was leaving, before he comes back, it's probably quite important. I mean, everything Jesus says is important, but I'd imagine if you were given one final instruction to someone, it's probably quite important. And there's three things that I note here that I believe Jesus does here, but I believe that it also continues to do for us as we look to strengthen and stretch ourselves. And it really, the words I'm trying to teach, there's three words, and it spells the word ice. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of ice, but recently as I was preparing this, I remembered, does anyone remember, you can raise your hand if you like, or if you're watching online later, you can put in the comments, but does anyone remember the ice bucket challenge? If you don't, the ice bucket challenge is exactly what it sounds like. Ice goes in a bucket and it gets poured over you. And I remember when I had the honor of doing my own, I don't know how this quite worked out, I don't know who prepared it this way, but Lindsay went first in our family, because we all done it at the same time, and Lindsay got pretty much just a bucket of cold water poured over her. I didn't see any ice, it was just cold water. When it was my turn, I got like no cold water, it just all of the ice. It was just like big blocks of ice. I'm like, that's painful, that hurts. And it was like, so I don't know who prepared that, but that's what I think of when I think of ice. And that really is just me trying to get that out. I've still not recovered from that. That's got nothing to do with my preach. It's just when I think of ice. But really, there's three words that I note here that I believe Jesus says for us that I think can apply to us now. And the first thing I notice that Jesus does is he instructs. Jesus gives clear instructions here and what they were to do. They were to go. You might think, get ready, get set, and go. I mean, I've got cheesy lines. I can say two-thirds of God is go. <laughs> like, see? It's, it's a throwback. But yeah, it's still true. So God's into going. I'll be honest. I know that was quite bad. And it, the problem is, I don't like to stop. Like, I, I, if you're like me, I always like to be on the move. I hate stopping. I like to go. I hate red lights. An amber light, forgive me, but an amber light means to most people, correctly, slow down and prepare to stop. To me it means go faster and get through it, because if amber's the last colour I see, then I did not go through a red light. Obviously drive safely, I'm not saying that you should do that, because do it correctly. But the reality is I just don't like stopping, I always like to be active, I cannot sit still. And I'm not saying that there's not a time to stop and there's not a time to rest. Of course there is. But I really believe that when God gives instructions, it's because God wants us to be always on the go. 
the guiding principle of faith is to go. God gives these instructions that the disciples should go to Jerusalem. That's where they've to go to. Now, I love TV shows. I love TV shows. The problem is now I've found I've watched every TV show that I'm ever going to enjoy. So I wish I could like delete TV shows from my brain so I could go back and enjoy them again. But one of my favorite TV shows or one of the the ones I like is a TV show called Prison Break. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the clues in the title, they're trying to break out of prison. That's kind of the, the point. And there's a guy called Michael Schofield and he's the genius. He is the main character. He's the genius. He has the plan. And as he goes through this show, he meets different characters. And it's so funny because I found myself getting so frustrated at this TV show. Because he would give them clear instructions. They weren't overly difficult. And if everyone just done what he said, they'd break out of prison in five seconds. And they would all live happily ever after. Now, that would make for a rubbish TV show because there'd be no drama. But I got really frustrated. And then I was thinking, but how must it sound like when God gives me instructions? And I'm just like, right, I understand that, God. But it's the first time I get to do anything I'm on. I'm just like, totally forget what he says, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing for the message, and I thought, Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem. Now, if you read on in the the scriptures and you read into Acts, the reason he told them to go to Jerusalem is because they would receive the Holy Spirit, and they would then be empowered to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It was quite an important instruction, and thankfully these disciples followed it, but could you imagine if they didn't? Could you imagine if Jesus gave them this instruction and they just decided... Nah, not going to do it. I don't even want to know what would have happened if they just ignored it. I mean, God would have used other people. Of course he would have. But I just meant for them, they would have missed out on this amazing experience that God had for them if they just hadn't followed his instructions. Another cheesy line for you is, the Bible is referred to as believer's instructions before leaving earth. See, I've got all the Christian quotes in for you this morning. And that might sound really cheesy, but the reality is that the instruction manual has been given to us, which is the word of God. If you want to know how to live a godly life, it's in the book. If you want to know how to learn how to be someone who can forgive, it's in the book. If you want to learn how to be generous, it's in the book. If you want to learn how to be a good spouse, a good, it's in the book. But so often, and I'm just as guilty as anyone, whenever challenge comes, or whenever I get into situations and I'm faced with a choice, I can so often <laughs> neglect the instruction manual. I believe that God has got an amazing plan for your life. I honestly firmly believe that. I believe that everyone on planet Earth, God has got a plan for their life. But God is not going to force his will and his plan upon you. We have to follow his instructions. My favorite story of following instructions can be found, I'm not going to read it for time, but it's the story of Noah. And to simplify the story, basically God asked Noah to build a boat in the middle of a desert. Now, As far as I'm concerned in the Bible, there's been no such thing as floods or rains or like anything like it. Like it's never happened up until this point. Maybe there's been a little bit to water the plants, but there's certainly been nothing like what was coming. And basically God gives them the clear instructions on what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where, everything. And Noah effectively builds a boat in the desert. It doesn't make any sense because sometimes God asks us to do things that in our natural brain doesn't make any sense. Noah got abuse. He got abuse. He got constant disappointment. I mean, if I was Noah, I'd be like, every time I added a bit to the boat, can you just make the rain a little bit? And slowly it would fill up. But that's not how it works. Noah had to follow instruction on day one, and day two, and day three, and day four, and day five. But because Noah was willing to follow God's instructions, when the flood came, he was able to save his family. And anyone who was willing to listen, the problem was nobody was. And actually, there was breakthrough and freedom that came from following God's 
instructions. But how did he do it? It's because he spoke and listened. Was it easy for Noah? No, I don't imagine it would have been. But was it worth it? Absolutely. You see, I believe that Jesus gives us instructions mainly through his word. So it's our responsibility to read it and apply it and just follow what he sets. So God, Jesus instructs, and I believe in this stretching and strengthening season, if we're willing to surrender and follow his instructions, then we can live. And the Bible says that his word is a lamp to my path. It says, his, I've hidden his word in my heart that I might not sin against him as recorded in the Bible. So if you want a pathway for your life, if you let his word guide it and follow his instructions, then he'll use you for his glory. I firmly believe that. The second thing I note here, the see, is that Jesus challenges. He challenges them to make disciples, and that is a challenge. He, t- he, 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 he challenges them to not only obey, but to teach others to obey similar to instruction. So basically the challenge really is once we've began to follow his instructions, it's he sets challenges for us to go for. John C. Maxwell, who's like the leadership guru of planet Earth, it goes like Jesus and then John Maxwell in terms of leadership development and developing this. But he said success is due to our stretching to the challenges of life. Failure comes when we shrink from them. I'll be honest, I don't really like shrink back from challenges, even when they're too big for me. I'm kind of the kind of person where if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do everything I can to try and prove that I can, even if I can't, I'll still try. But a challenge is called, it said, it's a call to someone to participate in a competitive situation, that's speaking my language, competitive, I'm very competitive, or fight to decide who is superior in terms of ability or strength. You see, Jesus gives out this challenge to his disciples and he says, I've modeled this for you. I've invested in you. I've developed you. Now it's your turn to go and to multiply or to stretch and strengthen. You see, there's a fight going on in life called the good fight of faith and it's a lifelong challenge. Your entire life, you're going to have to fight this challenge. It doesn't go away, but it's a challenge that's worth fighting. Paul writing at the end of his life, the apostle Paul He began to look back and say, well, I've fought the good fight of faith. I've finished my challenge. And now I'm going to go on to the glory that goes before me. Why? Because he'd done everything he could to meet every challenge and to make the disciples God called them to make. And the reality is that's a challenge that we all face today. Our friends, our families, our neighbors, communities, our colleagues, like the people we pass on the street, there's a fight and a battle going on for their souls and for their spirits. And we are God's people, whether we like it or not. God has placed us here in this moment, in this town, in this community, on planet Earth at this point in history. Who knows why? Only God can answer that. But we have to respond with how are we going to respond to the challenge. You see, the challenge doesn't stop until we stop breathing or until he takes us home. And as far as I'm aware, we're all still here and all of us are still breathing. So therefore, we have the challenge to make disciples and there's also other challenges that we'll face in life Jesus didn't promise that life was going to be easy he never promised it would be without challenge but he promised that he's overcome the world he modeled it for us and he left us with his holy spirit to empower us to be his witnesses and so you're, the, the, the challenge is that will you spend your life trying your best to make disciples what does that look like I don't know what it looks like for you I don't, I don't know what it looks like for every single person because every disciple is different and everyone has different styles, but it's the call to think bigger than me. 
because we are God's people for this moment and this point in history and that's incredibly humbling but it's also incredibly exciting because what a challenge it is to one day be able to say at the end I fought the good fight of faith and look back on the lives that have been impacted because we were willing to follow God's instructions to step up to the challenge and say do you know what I'm leaving like earth has got more of the kingdom of heaven in it because of the life I've given to him and been used by for him so that there'll be others who come after us who can go further and faster and could be even stronger and more stretched than we've ever thought possible. Is it going to be messy? Sometimes. Is it going to cost? Absolutely. Will it get complicated from sometimes? Yes. Will it stretches? Yes. But will it be worth it? Absolutely. Because you don't need to know everything to make disciples. Really, you just need to know Jesus and you just need to know more than the person you're discipling because as long as you're always one. I always thought when it came to teaching, Please forgive me, teachers. I'm not trying to belittle you, but I always thought, see, as long as I'm one, at least one step ahead of the person I'm trying to teach and stay one step ahead, then I can just keep teaching them one step at a time. So you don't need to know everything. You just have to be willing to surrender to God's instructions, step into the challenge that he has for your life, and he can use you and say, Jesus, use me. And look for people that you can walk towards Jesus. Jesus' instruction, Jesus' challenges, But the final thing I note here is that Jesus encourages. People thrive on encouragement. I won't, I mean, I didn't even know Kerry was going to say that, but see when Kerry was saying those nice words and kind words over me, he inside of me, oh, that raised my spirit like no end. That made me feel like a million dollars. That made me feel amazing. Why? Because people thrive on encouragement. I don't want to hear, I know I've got Scottish mentality, but you can't tell me that when someone doesn't encourage you for anything, that doesn't make you feel great. You can try and pretend on the outside it didn't do anything, but that makes you feel inside absolutely buzzing. Why? Because people thrive on encouragement. It lifts people up. I mean, encourage literally means apparently to put courage into people. Like that's what encourage means. You're putting courage into them with the words that we speak. The Bible says there's life and death in the tongue. So therefore, everything we say is either creating life or it's creating death. And I don't know about you, and I'm far from perfect at this. I need to do a much better at this. But I want to be someone who speaks life and not death. Why? Because God gives life. He doesn't bring death. Wouldn't it be amazing if we became people who didn't just encourage people when they'd done something, but we actively looked for ways that we could encourage one another? Wouldn't it be amazing? But Jesus here in his encouragement is reminding them that he is with them always. He's never going to leave them. I just think it would be incredible if we could all take personal responsibility to encourage everyone that we met. Not just the people we like or the people we see, but everyone. Encourage people all the time. I mean, wouldn't it be weird if we could like, go out for dinner and just encourage the waiters and waitresses at service? The people in the shop just say, hey, you're the best cashier operator I've met today. Like, I, mean, I mean, I've not done that before, but I just think, how would that make the person feel? Why? Because we're called to encourage and encouragement, when I encourage others, it makes me feel better too. Even when I'm the one doing the encouragement. It does something inside my spirit, but it adds value to another person. And it also makes them better at what it is that they've been doing. Now you might have heard the phrase, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Now all I teach is a new phrase. The phrase that I've got is, if you can't think of something encouraging to say, think of something encouraging to say. So not just don't say anything, think of one and say it. Like, let's be over the top of the encouragement. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Americans are funny. Americans are hilarious. I think Americans are so funny. But they are so over the top with their encouragement and honor that there's something inspiring about it. I love it. I, lo- I just love that sense of how, I mean, I mean, it's like, 
they go crazy about stuff that I'm just like, that wasn't even that good in my head, but they just go absolutely nuts. And I was like, wouldn't that be amazing? Because the Bible says that we have a great crowd of witnesses who go before us, and they are cheering us on. Why? Because the language of heaven is encouragement. But Jesus, above all, even if nothing else, Jesus knew that if we followed his instructions, he knew that we would face challenges in life. And I think that he foresaw all of that. And that's why he said, don't worry, because I will be with you always. That situation that you're going to go through, that sickness that you're going to go through, that relationship that gets lost or that loss that you feel inside when you lose someone close to you, Jesus saw that was going to happen and he promised you in advance that I'm going to be with you. That time when you were just left broken by life, Jesus promised that I will be with you. That was his encouragement. He promised that in every single season he would be right there. When you're on top of the mountain or when you're in the valley, his encouragement is that he is with you always. Every single day. Every single moment. God calls us to follow his instructions. He's written a whole book called the Bible. And our responsibility is to read it and apply it to our lives. Nobody can do that for us. He wants us to embrace his challenge for your life to make disciples, but also the different challenges that he calls us to as we stretch and strengthen. But he wants you to know, and perhaps this is the most important, maybe not, but I just think in this season, he wants you to know that he is with you every season, every day, every moment. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to give you up. I hate to break it to you, but the Rick Astley song lied to you because he will fail you. He will give you up. But Jesus, when he made the promise, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to give you up. There's no mountain high enough. There's all these pop songs that were written. They're all written about Jesus because there is no mountain high enough. There's no valley low enough that he cannot get his love to you. Why? Because that's what his promise is. I love how in the Old Testament, just when God makes a promise, he because you know, you know, it's like, you might have, you, might, you probably had the silly face, it's like a promise on someone's life, or a promise on this, or a promise that, and it means some of the promises we make when we're younger, particularly, were pretty dumb, to be honest. But Jesus in the Old Testament, he's making a promise, it's called a covenant with Abraham, and he says, I can't swear on anything else other than myself, because there is no, nothing else that compares to him. Just think, the love of God is with you, always. Some of us are either going to be in the midst of situations which are horrific or one day we may go through stuff that just wrecks us on the inside. But God's promise through Jesus is that he is with you in that season. And if Jesus is with me, then who could ever be against me? So that I know that in the end, that it might not be where I want to be right now as I follow his instructions because sometimes he'll ask us to do some dumb stuff. The challenges we may face might seem huge and insurmountable, but because he's with me, because his encouragement is that he's with me, that I can go through whatever it comes at me. My favorite Bible verse in the entire Bible, just as a close before I pray, is Romans chapter 8, verse 28, because it's the promise that God makes where he says that in all things, for I know... It's not just that and I think or maybe it can, it's I know that I know that I know that in all things, which is the good stuff, the bad stuff, even the mistakes that I make, all things literally means every single thing, will work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I want to remind you that if you love him, then you are called according to his purpose. So he promises that every single mess up you've done, everything that's ever happened to you, every situation you find yourself in, he is going to turn it around for good. Why? Because it's his promise in his name. That is the encouragement that he offers us. 
So if things don't look good, if they haven't ended that way, just keep following his instructions and his challenges. Why? Because he promises that all things are going to work out for good if we love him and are called according to his purpose. So our responsibility is to love him and his responsibility is to call him according to his purpose. So just love him and love him and love him because it's all going to work out all right. And for his glory, we will see his kingdom come. We'll see expansion come for his name because there's more work to be done. There's more challenges to overcome. But through his name and for his glory, we'll do it. But I'm just going to pray as the worship team come up this morning. Father God, I just thank you that your word is a lamp unto our path. Father God, I thank you that you, like, you've literally given us an instruction manual for life. And though it's not easy all the time, God, I just I thank you that you've promised you'll never leave us. That in every situation you promise your peace and that you promise you'll be with us. Like, I can't even, we can't even comprehend or understand that, God, but we just need to know and accept the promise that you're with us. Father God, I thank you that no matter what comes against us, no no matter what challenge we face, we can look at it in the name of Jesus. And your word promises that we will be more than conquerors, that we will overcome because of you. So Father God, I just pray for every person here, watching online or in this room. God, that you'll help us to follow your instructions for our life. That we'll live the life that you call us to, that when the challenges come, we'll step up and meet it. We won't shrink back, but we will grow forward in your name to see your kingdom come. And Father God, we'll just know that even in in six months' time when we feel all alone, we'll know that you're right there with us. That you promised you would be and that your promises never fail. So Father God, we ask it in the mighty name that is Jesus. God, we give you all the praise and we give you all the honor and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.